0: Welcome to another episode of Bullet Points. I'm your host, Edward Smith, and I'm joined as ever by Reid McArthur. Hey, Ed. Hi. Hi, and Patrick Lindsay. Hello. We're going to cut right to the chase this week instead of fannying around and announce that we are talking about Battlefield 3, the 2011 first-person war shooter by EA DICE, uh, you play the role of various American and Russian soldiers as they take place in a fictional war against some terrorists <laughs> uh, <laughs> so obviously, the first thing that you can say about Battlefield Three is that it is notable for its original plot and characters uh well. Actually I'm not gonna take the piss because I actually really like this game. Patrick, I know you
1: weren't particularly keen on it. That is correct. I actually strongly dislike this game. Yeah, oh.
0: whereas Reed, your
1: thoughts. I, I, I'm
2: uh I, I think I'm you know, if there's a middle point, I'm a few ticks toward favorable. Okay. I believe, favorable I believe I believe we
1: call that center right. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's exactly in in politics, in all things centre-right mm. fascist <laughs> Um, that's when I really like something yeah
0: so we've actually got a cross-section of opinions here for once because usually we either unanimously dislike something or unanimously like it I think it's been a while since we've disagreed about anything
1: um, I'm terrified
0: well, I, yeah, I mean.
1: So what he's trying to fight. say is, if there is if there is no future episode after this, you will understand why. <laughs> that's right. Battlefield Three, finished the, the podcast. The, the the game that broke up the band. That's right. I've gone
0: on a plane to Boston to hand you a contract that says you are forfeited from any future royalties related to bullet points. Oh, that's why. Man,
1: I, I don't want to miss out on all that those fat like the, stacks of money that we bring in every month
0: like the social network, you'll be like Andrew Garfield in the social network
2: <laughs> meanwhile Ed and I will both be those guys in the the speed swimming speed boat <laughs> I,
0: the, the Winklevoss twins
2: sure, I just yeah. remember them doing the Harvard rowing they're rowing down the river and they're yeah, this is a very Boston podcast isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a real pisser a wicked pisser, oh. even. Yeah, it's a so, I'm
0: gonna in the name of in the name of democracy, something for which I'm sure we all stand.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I,
0: I am gonna throw first to Patrick because Patrick, I want to hear why
1: you didn't like this game. There are many reasons I didn't like this game. Um,
0: oh, sorry. One thing I should clarify first: we are talking strictly about the campaign mode rather than the multiplayer, uh,
1: because multiplayer is shit and boring. Yeah.
0: Sorry, back to
1: Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that was a given, but um, I won't get too in-depth right now, because I'm i am sure we will dive into everything in due course, so for now, I'll just set the table. Um, I dislike this game, because I think, mechanically, it is boring to play. Um, it of drags you by the collar on a leash the whole time but like not in an efficient way and more just to why the fuck am I bothering to spend my time playing this kind of way um also and this is kind of a a duh but I think that the the plot is bad to the point that it's irresponsible um, but again we'll talk more about that at length
0: hmm read yep. your the middle ground here
2: well I feel absolutely nothing um <laughs> no I think this game, the first time I played it, I thought it was kind of sub Modern Warfare 2 kind of kind of thing, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe because I was, I was you know, when Ed said let's do this episode on Battlefield 3, I think we were kind of saying like, why? Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. But maybe I was more predisposed to actually look for stuff, so I don't know if it's just kind of like confirmation bias that there were a lot of things I thought were more intelligent about this game than I noticed at first.
1: See, I actually went into the game with a more positive slant, because my only real opinion had been formed by Ed, who said that he really liked it. Um, So I was actually not expecting to dislike it nearly as much as I did. Hmm.
2: Well, then, I guess those are... that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know? I thought... (laughs) That's that's, yep. <laughs> that's that's my segue. Uh, mm. I don't know. I thought there are, like, Patrick is right about it. it. Does you know? It's it's the same as the Call of Duty thing. You're you're following someone who has the words "follow" above them for three quarters of the game, but I've that's never bugged me that much. Um, and in this game, I think the individual firefights are uh, kind of frightening enough. Oh that my
1: God! How do I have the exact opposite opinion of both of you? I think, oh, really? I-, I think the firefights are dull and boring. I actually really dislike the cadence of this game um, versus Modern Warfare, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought was at least dynamic in its action. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, it's like the entire sort of, um, we'll, we'll call it, like thing you do is it's go to this spot, stand there, we're going to dump a bunch of waves of enemies on you, kind of like a shooting gallery, and then you're going to move to the next spot where you do it again. Whereas in Modern Warfare at least it feels like you're always constantly moving forward and making, gaining momentum and making progress. If anything, Modern Warfare kind of operates at breakneck speed from start yeah, to finish. Yeah, it does.
2: And that's actually, I think, part of what I like about this one is I think, uh, I ended up writing a shit ton of notes on this game for some reason. Yeah, but I, I have, think I have a thi- lot too. The thing I was saying is that uh, uh, that I wrote down is that Call of Duty feels more of just like kind of a cartoonish action movie, and this kind of felt like it was trying to actually, you know, maybe portray something a little bit closer to how the military is actually a machine that operates with all these distinct parts. And, you know, I think it tries to show tactics which are often a lot less interesting, where it's guys kind of running into one place for cover and just trying to hold a place or to Mm -hmm. clear out a place. Um, And things aren't constantly exploding and. You know you're not kind of jumping off buildings and objective-based
1: combat versus murder-based combat basically yeah that's actually a good
2: way to put it you know it, it doesn't feel like it's trying it doesn't feel like the game's trying to make you feel cool so much as it's trying to just kind of show how you know this kind of war is actually how these battles are actually fought which again you know i'm saying this from the viewpoint of someone who's watched a lot of documentaries and read books i've never you know served in the military so maybe that's naive but that's what i liked about it in comparison to a call of duty
0: Uh, i have a very i have a similar reaction i like reed said i'm not very i'm not bothered about being led around by games especially not games like this it's never bothered me at all i don't mind Linear, I don't mind when the interaction is maybe slightly limited and occurs in sort of pockets, as opposed to constantly. I don't mind shooting galleries. Uh, and what I like about Battlefield is that it has so many individual moments. the The story is is rubbish, but there there are some pockets of dialogue which really pop. The individual firefights, like Reed referred to, I think are exciting and spectacular, but also intimidating and by being intimidating feel more... Uh, authentic's not exactly the right word, but like they N- mean something.
1: Ingenuous.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the right word. Yeah, it, it, Congruous isn't a word, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, they make sense in respect to the subject matter.
1: So I, f- I feel um, like I, I should clarify. When I complain about the way that this game leads you around, it's not that I don't like having objectives and moving from point A to point B because, especially in a shooter, I think you need that. Mm. My problem is this game lies about what it is because it paints itself as this big, huge, open, amazing world. Oh my god, look at the Frostbite 2 engine. But then you can't interact with any of it and it also paints itself as being hyper-realistic, but there are so many weird, like, uncanny valley-style gamisms that just totally collapse that house of cards that I just can't look past. I, th- I, th- I think I actually used this as an example when I was talking to you, At There's a mission where um, you're storming a city at night, and uh, I, just to see what happened, kind of shot my partner in the head, and nothing happened. They didn't even react. The game just sort of ended and then restarted. Um, and <laughs> cons- considering that the mission before, I spent like two to three minutes in a forced walk animation, listening to a pilot just spout meaningless military jargon um, in an attempt to prove its hardcore realism, that struck me as a little silly.
2: I Yeah, I definitely understand that. It didn't bother me so much, but that's the thing, right? That's the limits of, of kind of... I always think of games as what they're portraying as kind of hiding systems, trying to hide the fact that they're artificial constructs. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, like, I'm one of those people who is probably, to a developer, like a good player. Like, all all kind of... You're willing to play along. Yeah, I'll try to not break a game just because I don't want to ruin it for myself if I'm enjoying a moment. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, I don't know. That's completely fair. Especially when you have stuff that's kind of, like, Battlefield Three isn't a simulation, but it's more, you know, I, I, it definitely does try to keep itself closer to, you know, uh, real situations than, than a lot of other shooters.
0: I think it's tasteful and restrained to an extent that Call of Duty hasn't ever been.
1: Uh, I. Ed, they they detonate it. a nuke in Paris.
0: Yeah. Okay. There's there's so many moments where it is neither of those things. Um, the big story beats are the opposite of that the big story beats are you know uh, very 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 loosely or maybe not at all defined terrorists are going to bomb America because they want to you know that's that's about it and that's really poor and the opposite of good taste and the opposite of restraint that's terrible writing but for example the the moment where the pilot there is talking to you I, I don't find his military jargon, I find it slightly impenetrable because I'm not in the military but I actually, it, it had an air, like the voice acting is quite good it had an air of authenticity and I actually found it quite exhilarating, I I felt a lot more in that scene because of the way that he was talking I found it a lot more sort of convincing and you know, if the objective of Call of Duty script is to make the player feel racy and feel kind of ready to go for me it never does that because they're talking in such ridiculous... Um, you know, cinematic hyperbole. Whereas having somebody talk to you in quite plausible-sounding military talk.
2: Are you talking specifically about the scene where you play as a Mig pilot, or not a Mig?
0: Well, uh, a Hornet pilot. Wanna, yeah. I, I want. I want to talk about that scene at length later on. But basically, what I'm saying is that the 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 way that the soldiers talk to one another in this game, I think, is a lot more. Exhilarating and a lot more infusing than the way that the soldiers taught from another in modern warfare.
2: Well, that's kind of yeah. Without going too in depth on that mission, there are several times, and this is kind of what I was talking about about sort of an almost almost documentary type feel to it. Um, you know, when you watch uh, documentaries about you know military operations from a coalition forces in uh, in the Middle East and Iraq and Afghanistan you do get this sense that everything is there's tension to situations that isn't based on action. And I think that's what this game does when it does that kind of dry you know, you you're walking up and you're getting into this jet and you're flicking levers and doing safety checks. Uh, and so when you actually it comes time to you know, when things actually become violent, it feels a lot more impactful. And I felt the same way about there's tank sequences too, which do a similar thing with you know scanning the horizon and staying in formations and um yeah i feel like i lost my train of thought there but
0: well well what well i think the battlefield is trying to hone in on and sometimes manages to do and sometimes doesn't is the very opposite of what call of duty is trying to hone in on. i think battlefield is trying to extract from actual military situations excitement whereas Call of Duty is trying to insert excitement into military situations. Well, yeah, yeah. it's
1: because, and... it's I mean, movies like Jarhead have taught us that the modern military is actually really fucking boring. Um, and I think that to pretend, like, to, to basically be, well, Call of Duty turns us all into, like, kids playing war, basically. Um, or I do agree with you that Battlefield is a little more subdued in that regard, but it still does a lot of things... That rubbed me the wrong yeah. way.
2: it almost, in some sense, feels like a middle ground between, you know, if you have your kind of arcade uh, yeah, action,
1: exactly, blockbuster exactly.
2: like Call of Duty, which I like those games well enough if they're when they're not complete, you know, when they're not offensive, I like them. Uh, but it, yeah, Battlefield Three feels like it's a middle ground between that and something like one of those games like Arma and like mm, I was thinking that. Operation or like Brother,
1: gosh, Brothers Brothers in gosh. Arms.
2: Yeah, which are. Those games, I think, are interesting, but they're too, they're too much. They're uh, very dry. Yeah, but. I think,
1: I,
0: th- I think that one of the things that's worth pointing out is that Call of Duty's dialogue is written by people like um, David Goya, you know, a Hollywood screenwriter. Whereas. And this isn't a compliment to Battlefield 3 because they've not got away with it, but there's plenty of lines of dialogue in Battlefield 3 which are stolen from Generation Kill. Uh, are they actually
2: lifted verbatim? Because I was going to say...
0: Are, there are several lines that are lifted verbatim. Now, if you're going to steal, that's a good place to steal from. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, it's better than stealing from something, you know, like The Rock or uh, whatever. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's still stealing.
2: Um, um, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, just on that, because I know... Patrick, have you read or watched Generation Kill? I have not. Uh, you should. It's really good. It's The HBO miniseries is uh, directed by... Oh, why am I blanking? It's David Simon um, and Edward Burns, the guys who did The Wire in Treme. Okay. Uh, and the book is by a Rolling Stone reporter. It's really good. It's about sort of the spear point of uh, the American invasion of Iraq. Hmm. Uh, this guy was embedded with the, the soldiers who were kind of you know, the first ones into every situation. Um, but this game, yeah, I was going to say, Ed, there's things like, there's a few lines I jotted down where Right at the beginning, someone says, You ever ask yourself how this part of the world gets so fucked up all the time? And the guy replies, Mm -hmm. I just work here. Which I Mm -hmm. thought was directly from it. And also, bro, America was founded by terrorists for terrorists. What do you think the Revolutionary War was? Which I think are both kind of interesting lines, but...
1: They also both come from the same character, which I think is significant. Oh. They both come from the Montez character. Right.
0: There's another, there's another line later on where one of your sort of middle brow commanding officers says frankly gentlemen I'm not hearing the aggression that I'd like which is Oh yeah. An, an, this, another line stolen from Generation Kill um, yeah so I, I think that it's, it's cribbing from the right places and I, I'd like to sort of be you know I'd like to know that the writers of this game may be watching and reading the right things uh, but also perhaps you know lacking the imagination and or talent to <laughs> adapt to them rather than just nick them um, but it's the, there are things about Battlefield 3 in terms of dialogue that are more subtly than just the wording. One of my favorite moments in the whole game is it's, it's so fleeting. Uh, it's in the very first level, not the prologue, the, the, the first level when you're deployed to, you know, iraq um, It's
2: No, it's actually Iran in this game. Yeah, it actually is.
0: Um, oh, do they actually define it? I forget. Mm-hmm. You're, okay. you're in uh,
2: Tehran for most of the game.
0: Okay, good. Okay, well that's another plus because a lot of games don't actually qualify which country they're in. Modern Warfare, the original, is included in that. Um, but yeah, they, they get rolled into one in my head, these games, so I forget which has done which. Okay, so you're in Iran in the first level, in, in Tehran.
2: Well, at the very beginning, you're... Sorry, I'm going to be pedantic. but That's fine. At the very beginning... And I want to talk later about how they actually set it in an actual place because I think it's yeah. a good part of this game. Uh, at the very beginning, you're in Iraqi Kurdistan.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: then there's a coup in That's Iran, right. which isn't, you know, it's not the Iranian government. It's a, it's sort of a, a fictitious militia.
1: The PLR, which I'm assuming they don't ever define it, but I'm assuming it's something like People's Liberation Republic or something like that. I looked it up, and there's a Paraguayan radical party. <laughs> mm.
2: The Free Democratic Party of Switzerland is also the PLR. Sorry, yeah. I'd, you're
0: in this. You're on this first level in in Iraqi Kurdistan, and uh, it's a terrific moment where, up until now in this level, you've basically just been walking with your squad and sort of talking about, well, actually, you know, you've been running through these streets, you know, trying to get to an objective. You've been told you need to get to this place and try and find these soldiers who who last reported their position here. And you sort of walk out into this open car park, and you're kind of standing around for a minute. And then, you know, one of your guys hits the floor because he's been shot. And, and you have to drag him inside, which is a great moment. And it, it's like mm-hmm. tapping buttons and it feels quite arduous. You actually feel like you're dragging this kind of, you know, 13 stone man. Um, so that's a great bit. And then there's, you know, chaos kind of breaks out. And it, it does feel like chaos. Like That's the difference to me between Modern Warfare and Battlefield. Modern Warfare, Call of Duty in general, it's gunfights feel incredibly, like, very well staged but staged, whereas Battlefield 3, just the, the sound and the way that things fall apart and like car alarm's going off, it feels very chaotic. Anyway, um, midway through this battle a guy appears, an enemy appears on one of these balconies with a rocket launcher and he flies into the car park and it blows up a car and one of the guys in your squad the line is, everybody light that building the fuck up. But he says it, and on the last line, when he says up, his voice goes like up, like because he's scared. <laughs> and it's, it's like just the smallest little detail in the performance. He goes, Everybody like that building, the fuck up. And it's like just that small detail gives that sequence, just that little bit of bite and traction that you don't get in Call of Duty. In Call of Duty, you get Captain Price saying, You know, eliminate the tangos on the second floor. And it's like, Who gives a shit about that?
2: Or like what, what we were talking about before, you get Kevin McKidd. You know. Yeah, you know, do, do,
0: doing something cool. Whereas here you've got these unknown voice actors, and and there's like just that trace amount of emotion, and it yeah. it, it make it makes that scene. You know, I mean, the the, the, the the gun sounds in Battlefield are so superior to Call of Duty. They they sound like weapons. They sound dangerous, and you know, grenades make this sort of tink 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 as they hit the floor, and uh, car alarms always going off around you and know, things like that. But just there are so many instances where the dialogue. Is like given such a kind of fucking s- enhancement by the by the performance in this game. It's, it's one of my favorite details.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say there's you could write a lot about just kind of how effective the sound in general is in this game. The uh, the soundtrack can be a bit a bit kind of you know generic like. Gotta love the
1: the the dubstep.
2: Yeah, but
0: it's it's sub sub dubstep substep
2: (laughs) substep yeah, but there there are times there are a few kind of moments where they try to have a bit of emotional gravitas to it, um, where someone is dying or something has gone completely, you know, awful and uh, different kind of music. It's just kind of uh, melancholy electronic music comes in and it's a bit cheesy, but it also kind of works. Like just the. The sound in general in this game, the sound of the gunshots, uh, they, the attention they pay to how it would sound to be in a firefight with, mm. you know, just the the chaos, the confusion, where, you know, if you're an ordinary person who'd never been in that situation, it's it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying, um, you know, and, and that I think goes right down to the voice actors too. I think the the actors and the direction of, of the
0: voiceover in this game is
2: actually like spectacular
0: there's uh, another moment on that, on that train of thought in that, in that same first level where you, you come out into a city street and they, they've located a, a car bomb and yeah. uh, you know he's sort, of, he's sort of looking over this car bomb and he finds like a secondary charge and he shouts secondary and they all sort of repeat each one of the secondary secondary and then one of your guys you know again the line is oh boys we're attracting a lot of fucking attention here but he says it like out of breath. Oh, boys, we're driving a lot of fucking attention here. And again, it's just that sort of panting urgency. And there's, you know, there's. It's a slightly cheap device, but you know, there's lens flare on the screen. And there's like dirt flecks on the on the lens or whatever. And it just it it feels frightening. You know, like Call of Duty, you feel cool. In Battlefield, I think you feel frightened. And. There's one. There's, I, I keep saying there's one more detail. There is one thing. This is re, this recurs throughout the whole game, and this is to me one of the fundamental things that separates Call of Duty from Battlefield, and, and Battlefield from a lot of shooters. In Battlefield, three at least, the enemies are silhouettes. They're they're always far away. Right. The light. The light is always behind them. I know exactly what moment
1: you're talking about.
0: This is like there's there's a level in a car park which is very like that. There's a level in the, a shopping mall later on at night. That's very much like that. Even this first level, the enemies are at a distance, and they're kind of figures, as opposed to Call of Duty, where it feels like you're really looking in the eyes of their eyes sometimes. It's like a sort of corridor shooter, but with real people. There is
1: actually one, one guy that, through a QTE-slash-scripted sequence, you actually stab him very slowly in the throat while you're trying to sneak into a building and remain undetected.
0: Yeah, and but that is like an individual moment in Battlefield 3, whereas I feel all the time in Modern Warfare and in Call of Duty you're shooting people right close up right in the face and it feels more sort of arcade, whereas when you're firing at these silhouettes there's like an uncertainty and there's a, a randomness to it and a kind of and a chaos and, a, and an inaccuracy basically. That you don't get in Call of Duty. Call of Duty feels very sort of sleek, whereas this feels very sort of abortive.
1: It's an interesting point because compared to, the, to uh, Call of Duty specifically the, the weapons in Battlefield felt much less accurate. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't have, I, I don't know if all Call of Duty games
2: have this but that kind of snap thing where yeah. you, if you kind of uh, hit the trigger on and off it'll it'll Go close to where an enemy is.
1: It does have aim assist, which I know only because the loading screen hint told me to turn it off if I wanted a real challenge.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't want a real challenge. Um, no, I, I liked kind of
2: the relative inaccuracy. Like, because it, you know, they have options where you can toggle the fire mode of, of uh, automatic weapons. Uh, you can, you know, switch them to single shot or three round bursts and things like that. Um, and like what Ed was saying too about when they, they come toward you like silhouettes it, they also go down if you kind of clip them in the side or something
0: yes and they just and they just go down there's not like a sort of death animation they just sort of fall and it, that's grotesque, more grotesque I think
2: yeah it really gives you the sense and I think it does it, it makes it part of the play experience that there's a dehumanization of the enemies as just kind of targets but mm-hmm. it's also more understandable in the sense because when you're playing, you know, I was playing this whole thing with headphones on too, which I think helps this game a lot. Um, and I usually don't do that, um, but you know, they they're firing bullets at you and they're whizzing past your wherever you're crouched down behind cover, and you get a real sense of you just want them to stop doing that. You know,
0: that's exactly it.
2: So, so you quarter, oh sorry.
0: Well, I was gonna say in shooters. I find the dynamic implied is you want to get into the next gunfight because it's exciting and fun. Whereas in Battlefield 3, you want to get out of the gunfights. It, when the, when they're at their very best, you, you want them to end. And I think that that is a fascinating subversion.
2: Yeah, I th- think it's interesting, especially in that it's really that first level, I think, does a... There are two. The first level, because it kind of just... You know, the guy gets shot when they're trying to disarm that IED, and then you're kind of just on the go, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of trying to get out of this shit situation that you've found yourself in. Uh, And they do that one more time later when you're trying to extract uh, someone who you need information from. Uh, It's in the shopping mall. And it's it's another sense of, you know, this is bad and you just want to survive, which Mm -hmm. I think is pretty opposite from how a lot of shooters... They want you to feel like, yeah, like let me wade in there. Let me Well, start. Yeah. yeah,
1: Call of Duty is very much an assaultive game. The, that entire game, you are on the attack all the time. Um, whereas, yeah, in this game, more often than not, you are crouched down behind something trying not to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I appreciate I can, that a lot. I, d- I do appreciate the subversive aspect of it. I don't. I think it makes for a very interesting game, because I think if you're you're doing that, I think that's really admirable, but if you're also trying to make a shooter to compete with the likes of Call of Duty, you have to inject the right amount of bombast and the right amount of action and set pieces and explosions, and those two things are sort of intrinsically at odds with each other, and I noticed that a lot while playing through this game, which is why I found it so frustrating to play. Well, that's where I I think think the
2: weakest stuff is, though, is when they try to put in some more bombast, you know? I
0: I think, yeah, I think that this game has a a, a different definition of exciting. You know, I think that exciting in Battlefield, uh, basically Battlefield kind of renders excitement in a very different way to to Call of Duty. I think that what's exciting in Battlefield is being in cover, is sort of um, fighting your way out as opposed to fighting your way in. I think that they're, they're equally exciting, excuse me, just on different grounds. Um, and no more is that evident or that is no more evident than in the fighter plane level which is the, the one that you know I think warrants perhaps the most attention I, I think that that is you know to sort of set us off on a ridiculous bar here but that is one of the best levels I've played in a game I mean I, I adore it I think it's just fantastic I think it's perfectly written and, and paced and exhilarating and scary, and, I yeah, I'm blown away by that level every time I play it.
1: But, okay, and I, I, I don't, all right, I will, I will <laughs> preface our discussion by saying that level in particular, but this game in general, that really only works if you are willing to be led by the game, if you're willing to buy into it. Um, yes. At, with even the most cursory inspection, you can see the seams and the zippers, and you can see the facade. Um, for example, I um, ch- didn't realize how to launch my defensive flares in my fighter plane the first couple of times, so I got shot with like four or five missiles in a row, and the plane didn't blow up or anything. Like it just—they just kept flying around, waiting for me to do the right thing, so we could move on to the next link in the chain. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee so, joint. No. Oh, mm. thank you, Reed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Continue. That's 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 pretty much it. Just like there there are all these moments, but they're so flimsy.
0: Well, I'm sure that's true, but it it just it doesn't bother me. You know, I I don't mind being on the ghost train. I I don't mind. You know, because I'm I'm willing to play into the facade. I'm I'm willing to sort of be the actor on the game stage. Yeah, I'm sure that you know if if like you say. Uh, you can, like, actually, the missiles probably don't kill you if they hit you, or you can, like, shoot people in the face and it's not really going to matter. But I don't know, I mean, that, that to me goes for quite a lot of games, like every game. You know, in in every game you can die and it, it doesn't really matter. Yes, but not um, every game
1: tries to paint itself as a serious depiction of a serious current event topic. That's true, and yeah, I think, it, but I, I I
0: don't necessarily... Let me try and think now because I think that Battlefield 3 is definitely not a game I go to for an honest and penetrating depiction of the war and even if that's how they sold it then yeah I think that it's it's they're wrong you know they've they've got kind of ideas about that game above its station but I think of it basically as like the equivalent of a of a smart as opposed to dumb blockbuster. So you know something by like Spielberg or Nolan as opposed to Michael Bay or you know Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, it's a, a
2: blockbuster that you can kind of get something out of, other than get something out
0: of. Yeah, and like not not feel dirty watching. Although I don't feel dirty watching Michael Bay films, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, i'm I'm willing to sort of dance to its tune and I, I'm willing to completely suspend my disbelief because I personally i don't I don't care about its kind of aspirations towards verisimilitude or or authenticity. I like that some of them are there and I think that they punch up a lot of the scenes, but I don't think that uh, it doesn't bother me
2: yeah, I mean it's such a hard thing because' like I completely understand. Patrick <clears throat> that complaint but I'm probably more like Ed on this one where you know it's fine for me I think in an entire game where you're just kind of being driven along I would I would get bored of after a while but yeah I I also like I said before I'm just I'm willing to play along in this in this sense I don't just know it's
0: very short it's very it short It is very short intense. yeah I I think that structurally this game is not it, it's it, to me it's between kind of a first person shooter and a war shooter and you know like a, a game like Soma or even like something by fucking David Cage you know it, it's it's something in between it's not a war shooter but it's also not uh, a, you know an explore or walking simulator which is a term we all hate but you know it's in the middle and I think it's like a, it's, it's a different kind of game it's a different structure to, to what I've encountered before which is another reason that I like it
2: yeah, I, I'm just thinking though too about how how relatively uh, uncommon it is for a game, a shooter, to be as willing to take control away from you in that sense. Because you know that's the thing everyone loved Call of Duty when it first started, and then now mm-hmm. the joke is that you're just you know you're just walking down a hallway the entire game, which has never bothered me that much. Um, I think you know we've talked about this a lot. I have a very high tolerance for, you know, linear video games. Um, yeah. But it, how often is that kind of thing presented to you, where it's sort of an experience first? They're trying to. The... What's good about this about Battlefield 3, I think, is how it can kind of make you feel like you're you're part of these scenes. Um, but we don't usually see that in games where you also have guns. Mm. You know, and I wonder if that's the big complicating factor. And like what Patrick says yeah. too, if you put guns and and sort of more traditional game objectives in, and then you're kind of trying, you can break it really easily. Mm. I don't know. I
0: think that this this is this is what's exemplified in that jet level because you, you hear first person shooter in jet, and you assume that you're going to be the one flying it. But in this level, you know, you 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 walk through that dialogue scene as we've mentioned, and then you get in and you're in the back seat and your job originally is to check the parts of the airplane, the flaps and the missiles and the guns and stuff to make sure that they're all working and then you, you take off and then there's a period where you're just looking out the window as you're flying and then you're in a dogfight and instead of flying the plane you're responsible for launching the flares when missiles are being fired at you and, and locking on and launching missiles in return and um, it's, I think what they've kind of tapped into there is, one is very disorientating because they've done a really great job of kind of making the plane that you're in roll and bank and sort of go everywhere. And the music's very it's like this kind of machine gun beat music, and you've got the voice of your pilot who's quite audibly panicking and talking very frantically and sort of saying, "Where are they? Have you got? Oh, can you see them? Can you see them?" and stuff like this. And you've got the kind of bleep of the missile warning system, which is a terrifying noise. Uh, especially if you play the game wearing headphones, when you hear that, it's, I think it's really, uh, really panicking, as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the camera is frantic, and you're on the defensive. You know, you're you're not like in a cool dogfight. It doesn't feel like you're in a cool dogfight where you're going up there and swooping and banking and killing everyone. You're 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 under attack. You know, that's how it feels. Like you're you're being assaulted. Um, and you're kind of fighting your way out of something, and that's just like the, the balls of that. You know, the nuts to, to put first-person shooter players in a plane and then put them on the defensive.
2: Well, one, uh, one thing I thought yeah. was interesting about that, though, because you are, you know, you're you're moving into. I think at this point it is these military installations outside of, or it's like depots and things like that outside of Tehran. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. you're trying to, I think, kind of destroy their. Like some staging areas where they have you convoys. You are...
1: Your original mission is you're supposed to be killing the military leader of the enemy group. That's, that's right, yeah. Oh, okay. It so starts off as an airstrike, basically, that goes awry.
2: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, is that you... You know, you're you're on your way to do this thing, but it, it very much seems like day at the office <coughs> kind of stuff, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, okay, look to the left, like, make sure that the this flap goes up, check your instruments here, Um, And they do a really good job in that scene of making it just so mundane and just kind of you're checking machinery, you feel like an engineer, and then all of a sudden it's, okay, holy shit, you know, here are these enemy fighters. Um, And it becomes really exciting and you feel, like you guys said, like you're being attacked. But then I think the thing that's really, that's really kind of noteworthy is that they then switch it around because after you get rid of these enemy fighters, then you're looking through... Uh, footage and you're doing bombing runs on you know, people who yeah. can't see where you are, you're
1: up in the clouds um, there was so a um, speaking of moments there is a moment that I found particularly interesting in that level um, where there's you're looking for a quote unquote high value target and you've tracked them to this airfield and they are trying to escape in a helicopter and they're being rushed out onto the tarmac to get in this helicopter and you're you are looking at these people through the the scope of your targeting computer um and it's actually a good minute or so before you actually get the the clearance to fire um but that those people are dead like from the time that they they leave the building they just haven't realized it yet there's this really weird sort of like almost kind of like godlike feeling where you you Mm -hmm. it's a very specific example of you having absolute mastery over another person's life or death and I thought that was very alarming. Yeah, I think
2: Yeah, we, we talk Well that's sorry, Reed. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say
0: what well, that that that's the emotional roller coaster of that level. Um I think that's the the journey of that level is going from a routine day of work to oh my god I'm gonna die to now I'm the one in control. And that's to me what makes it superior to uh, a comparable level, the, the one in the C-130 gunship in the original Modern Warfare, because you appreciate just the amount of control you now have, because you've just had your life under threat, and now you're in this position where you can omnipotently kill these people on the ground, and it just, it, it feels, it's, again, that little bit of traction, that little bit of bite, that extra kind of, I don't know what the, the word is, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, this is a lot of... I think video games are uniquely suited to talking about how fucked up a lot of, uh, sort of, asymmetrical warfare is, you know, with uh, American and British forces, Canadian forces even, too, sometimes, um, <laughs> being engaged against uh, lower-tech enemies, you know, where you're doing... Well, whatever, I guess you're against iran in this game so they're not really anyway i'm meandering but like um the the way that this happens in modern warfare as well which you know remember we talked about that quite a bit with crisscross on that episode where the audio got messed up but mm. uh the way that video games i think can make <coughs> you reflect on someone who is killing from this remove i, I think is fascinating um mm not to say that I feel guilty necessarily when you're doing these missions, like these gunship missions, um, but, but it is, it does kind of bring it home in that you're looking at sort of the exact same, a very similar kind of, uh, view that these actual gunship and pilots are using when they're launching these strikes. Mm.
0: And you've had the, like I said, you know, you've had that, uh, what's some juxtaposition? beforehand where, you know, you've been the one who's on the end of someone's viewfinder. Um, see, I've always thought that that AC-130 mission in Modern Warfare would have worked so much better if at least half of it you were playing as someone on the ground. You do...
2: Uh, it does switch you pretty quickly, though. To... Because remember, there's, like, you're running across some field at night, and you're yeah, clearing... I, I, yeah. I
0: mean playing as one of the people who's being attacked. Like, one of the enemies. Oh, yes. You then yes. Are bombing from the plane just as I think that the no Russian mission in Modern Warfare 2 would be better if you played as one of the civilians in the airport rather than the gunman um, I think that that AC-130 mission would be better if you were one of the people being bombed because that would be... anyway um, but yeah, I, I... I think that, yeah that <laughs> level... I just think that that level uh, has just so much going on You know, ignoring even any... Um, Political overtones. I think it's just a, a spectacular. I mean, like, really spectacular. What games call spectacular, I usually find really dull. Uh, but this is genuinely spectacular. Like, it, it is an emotional roller rollercoaster that level. And yeah, I can't say that for many of the war shooters today.
2: Um, <coughs> should we talk about kind of the storyline of this game? Well, I was
0: going to say that that there's basically a handful of moments in this game that I think warrant special attention, and we've talked for the last kind of 20 minutes about things that we like. I think it's worth talking about one of the worst moments in the game. Patrick, I think you should start us off because you mentioned it earlier on. The moment in level 5 where you've switched to play as the Russian Special Forces, and their mission has been to chase a man through Paris before he can detonate a nuclear weapon and blow up Paris. Now, the level up until then, I actually quite I, li- I like quite a lot I like that they're speaking in Russian mm-hmm. for one thing um, which gives it again that kind of just like that little bit of ambience and a little bit of sort of sincerity that you miss in, in some of the first person shooters and you've had a great gunfight in uh, the, the underground car park because they've got the kind of acoustics right and it's very sort of echoey and then there's even like a little reference to Mirror's Edge another EA game because you go into this office apartment and it's painted like white and red which is the colours of buildings at Mirror's Edge and um, so there's been some really great moments, and there's a really great death of one of your
1: comrades. That I actually really enjoyed. Um, yeah, he dies, and your character doesn't speak, but he s- no. he stops, and as you move forward, he kind of looks back at him be- it, before he moves just, on.
0: It's just that little look back, and then you're running again. And you know, in so many games, especially in war games, you'd have this kind of mawkish, you know, "I love you, man. You're going to save the world." gone without me kind of moment but he just kind of dies like quite quickly and then you walk away And but he does like cast that one little look back and again like those kind of dialogue moments it's this sort of humanizing little beat but then the level climaxes with a nuclear bomb exploding Patrick talk us through it <laughs> why, are,
1: why are we still doing nukes um, yeah I'm, okay so that's the obvious complaint but unoriginality aside um, if you look at this game in the context of like, real world context in which it was created to have a level that culminates with unknown terrorists exploding a weapon of mass destruction in a populous Western metropolis for no reason is fucking irresponsible. It's like on the level of propaganda, and I feel like most of this game's story. Because it's just terrorists are killing people for real, no, no really, stayed political or social reasons. It's just because they're terrorists, and that that's what they do. It's it turns the whole thing into a boogeyman story.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's so much of this game is really compelling when it's this story about okay, you're you're soldiers in uh, in Iraq, um, and then holy shit, there's been a coup in Iran, and you have to go now. Um, and and then it becomes this kind of nightmare story of you know what if the Iranian government was overthrown and you know that's kind of that's a little bit like Tom Clancy ish right Uh, Mm -hmm. still a little bit worrying in its implications of now you get to you know finally fucking storm Tehran you know um, as an American but at that point you still have some kind of grounding uh, where it doesn't feel as moral panic as these unknown kind of did did you guys ever figure out what that Solomon guy's deal is? The the kind nope. of Call of Duty bad guy who's behind I've everything. I've
0: played. I've played Battlefield three, three's campaign maybe ten, maybe fifteen times. Like I've played this game a lot, and I cannot fathom where he comes into it really. No, he's just apart, apart from like Veig, or he 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 supplied the nukes or some shit.
2: Yeah, he's his whole modus operandi seems to be. Um, Give wouldn't
1: people it, nuclear weapons for no reason.
2: Yeah, yeah wouldn't it be yeah. cool to, you know, kill a bunch of people and then have Russia and Iran and America all at war?
1: He doesn't even yeah. go through, like, the supervillain, like, I want to create disorder in a, in a no, world. No, like nothing. Like, n- that doesn't even happen. Um, no. They come so close to actually touching on meaningful political implications in the execution scene, which is, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about... Um, you you play as a, a tank gunner who gets captured, and then they make an execution video, which I think in and of itself is incredibly dicey. Um, yeah. The military leader of the PLR makes a statement from the camera, and he says something to the effect of, you people come into my country and kill us, and you have the nerve to brand us as terrorists. But then that's like the only sliver of self-awareness that peeks through the, the rest of this game is just like essentially jingoistic narrative and it's just back to mm-hmm. well we're gonna keep killing these guys because they're bad
2: Yep. it very much feels to me like a script where someone tried to write a kind of more a little bit more subdued script that probably would have fit a lot better with the majority of how the game plays and then you know someone was brought in to punch it up mm-hmm. you know because well, I think that the... oh sorry sorry
0: no carry on please no
2: please. I was just, just gonna out. say like the the introduction of even the finding the nukes themselves is is i think kind of okay when they find those suitcase nukes but then
0: when they open the box and there's one missing that's quite a good moment you know because they they sound genuinely scared themselves
2: yeah and it does give you this fear of okay well you know now the stakes have have been elevated quite a bit but then mm. it's just it's it really seems like kind of just chasing call of duty to have the nuke go off and, you know, have this one guy who's manipulating these different, you know, militia leaders and uh, arms dealers and everything that you're working your way toward finally stopping. Um, it, it just it seems unnecessary in what this game is trying to be or what I think
1: it's trying to be. I feel yeah. like this might be a little bit cynical, but there are a few moments in this game or a few parts of this game that feel like they exist to compete directly with Modern Warfare?
0: I don't think that's cynical at all. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, The execution video thing you mentioned is a direct crib of the prologue of Modern Warfare, where you're tied to the post and shot. That's true. Uh, And obviously the nuke thing going off, again, is is from Modern Warfare. But the difference between... Basically, I think that the nuke exploding in Paris in Battlefield 3, uh, basically they decided that we need to do something to make our villain imposing. So let's have him blow up the city, like they do in modern warfare. But the difference between this and modern warfare, in modern warfare, it's it's it works because it's not that they've blown up the city; it's that they've they've killed you
1: in a really yeah. horrific way too.
0: In a in an abrupt and horrific and very unexpected and sort of quite slow. I mean, I say abrupt, but you, you know, you have to watch this. You have to play as this character mm-hmm. as, as they die, and that's why it works because they're they're killing you, and like there's there's a face on it. Whereas in Battlefield 3, you just see like a flash in the sky and oh my God, he's destroyed Paris, but it doesn't mean anything because it's like a virtual Paris, you don't actually see anything happen, and no no, one, no face is put on it. you know if, if you just had like that execution video and he was killing and it was like at the start of the game rather than at the end of the second act, and he was killing someone who you actually give a shit about rather than just this anonymous tank gunner. Who they try to personify by yeah. giving him that little? They give him that little dinosaur toy, and one of the other guys says, "Are hey, you are going to give that to your son when you're back home?" And obviously, once that's happened, you. you oh, he's
1: going to die. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, they they, they try me to give a shit about him, but you you don't really. Um, uh,
2: well, I think that actually yeah. brings us back to the old chestnut too: is that all of these characters should be speaking, and they speak in cutscenes, the main characters, yeah. but then as soon as you are playing as them, they don't respond to anything. Which is Which just is so strange. It's baffling, you know. Yeah, it is baffling. The story is told like it has the frame story, right? So the uh, Blackmore—that's his name—is
1: Blackburn. Blackburn.
2: Yeah. Oh, Blackburn is the the main marine that you play as through all. Of... Well, actually, I guess he only plays him for about half the game, but he's kind of the main character. And the frame mm-hmm. story is him being interrogated by CIA agents in New York, and there, he's recounting what happened in the game. Um, but You know he's pretty well acted in those scenes, and he's Mm -hmm. you know kind of believable. And then you switch to looking through his eyes, and then all of a sudden he is just a blank slate, which is so bizarre. For a while, I couldn't figure out if I was actually playing as him. It's
1: yeah, I I didn't know (laughs) either.
2: It's bewildering, and actually the same thing too with the Gru agent Dima, the uh, the Russian secret agent. He is. You know he's he's a pretty good interesting character too, but uh, as soon as you're playing as him, he doesn't he doesn't have anything to say for himself.
0: Well, it's it's inconsistencies like these that kind of expose Battlefield 3 for you know being designed very much by committee. So they've got the moment where where Paris is destroyed by a nuke, and that's ostensibly their way to make you fear the villain. But then they've also got these really subdued, and I think quite impactful, certainly more impactful than anything again in Call of Duty death sequences You know, we've talked about the one with the Russian uh, your, your commander when you're playing as the Russian soldiers, mm-hmm. but there's also w- one of my favourites in Shooter's period it's a terrific moment, and this is actually relates to something else I want to talk about there's a, there's a moment in one of the penultimate, I think it is the penultimate mission where you're on the ground, you're playing as the American squad on the ground and you've basically cleared out all the enemies, and you're, you're all stopping, thinking, God, what, where are we going to go next? What do we do next? And you see this dot on the horizon in the sky, and f- you know you can hear it getting closer, and it's an el- it's a jet, it's an enemy fighter plane. Oh and yeah. Panic, and they all panic. So the next kind of five minutes of you playing is it f- goes overhead, and like bullets rain down. You've got to be in cover, and then you see it fly off, you know, turn around, and make another pass, and you've got to make sure you're in cover before it goes over your head, or else you die. And towards the end of this section you find a missile and you target it and you blow it up. And after you've blown it up, you all kind of converge again and you know, oh where, where are those two guys? And they've died and they've died off screen. And all you find is their bodies, and these are two characters that you've been with the whole game, and all you find is their bodies and one of your guys kneels down and he says, oh you fucking dick Steve, you know, talking to one of the bodies. And it, it works You know, it's off screen, it's sudden Uh, you know you don't actually sort of see it happen you don't kind of process it and you know you've got like this guy mourning and he calls him by his first name which is a very sort of break of military protocol and it kind of personalizes it and it's a a good death it's a really sort of subdued and impactful death scene and that's how you make you know the enemies in the game like scary or that's how you make the combat seem like it means something not by nuking at city (laughs) You know? yeah
2: I, I just think you never need that kind of mustache twirling villainy in this game you know it's you it's because I also think that's a dangerous viewpoint because it shifts the responsibility onto you know an imagined it's absolutely dangerous an imagined character instead of I, I think at it's best Battlefield 3 says war is bad you know which I'm sure sounds like a cliche to a certain point but you know it's it's horrible like that's mm. i think closer to the truth of what you hear people talk about losing losing friends in war is that it wasn't you know somebody rode up and shot them it's that you know that something exploded near them and they're dead mm. you know it's it's just kind of uh, non-dramatic in in how it happens and that is what makes it terrifying. And I think, you know, that's the sound of the, the bullets whizzing past your head in this game, and it's dropping an enemy by just shooting toward their silhouette. It's you know, this impersonal machine that is just subsuming all the people involved in it.
0: Mm, and that's definitely what you get in that plane section, because it just happens.
2: Yeah, you know. exactly. They're not even fighting back. You know what I mean? It's not like a,
0: it's not like a fight. They just pfft, die. Um, so... That's why the nuke bit. I think, you know, is, is like a. Is, is, and it's also like Patrick said. It's irresponsible. It's a terrible fucking cliche. It's kind of saying that, you know, terrorists have the power to nuke entire cities. Therefore, everything that we do in response is justifiable. Which is, you know, a, a really, really, very, very ugly uh, precedent. But in terms of the the, as Reid you put it, war is bad sentiment. <laughs> um, there's one. There's one. Another moment. Uh, again, in the first level, which I think is distinctive from other first-person shooters. And it is it, also played out in that in that playing sequence as well. But I think that Call of Duty, and shooters like it, one of the things that they like to do is hand you the big gun. And, you know, like Predator missiles in the Modern Warfare game. Or even like a silent sniper rifle, you've kind of given them, and there's always like a sort of very flary sequence designed specifically Way you can use these weapons so you can feel how awesome they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first level of Battlefield 3, there's that sequence where you have to go and hunt down this sniper, and you're on the rooftop of this hotel, and you're all kind of, you know, uh, shoved behind cover and kind of a bit awkward. They're all kind of like on their
2: bellies. Mm-hmm. They're all kind
0: of on their bellies and a little bit kind of climbing on top of each other, and you can hear the gunshots, and they, you know, they make this horrible sort of whipping crack sound as they go past you and knock out chunks of concrete. And one of your guys says, you know, oh, shit, that's a fucking 50 caliber. And obviously, if you stand up at this point, you die instantly. And they're all scared around you, and it's just like this moment where, rather than being pressed with the big gun with the 50 caliber, you're frightened of it. You know, you're you're kind of being told this is. Scary. Whereas, again, in the original Modern Warfare, when you get the fifty caliber sniper rifle, it's in that kind of assassination mission where you blow a guy's arm off, and it's cool, and you're talking about bullet effects, and all this kind of shit, and it's like <laughs> you get to be an assassin. Whereas in this, you know, the the Barrett fifty caliber rifle will kill you. You know, this is something that you're terrified of, and I think that's a, a really in the first level, that's a really interesting paradigm to lay out the rest of the game. You know, and and, and the, the, the jet isn't something that you. Kind of admire. It's scary. It flies over you and kills your friends. Um, so yeah, the kind of relationship it has with weapons and technology, I think, is is different to modern warfare, and, and again, a lot more responsible.
2: Yeah, I I think I, I wrote about this I wrote about this once before. The first time I went to a shooting range, uh, and I had never shot a gun until I was you know a few years ago. Uh, but the one thing that I that it impressed on me is that video games because I was thinking about how to write about this in terms of someone who's played shooting games since they were, you know, 10 years old or whatever or younger even uh, you know, and then shooting an actual gun for the first time Um, and the big thing is the idea that these are physical objects that are terrifying in their just kind of their capacity, their physicality to, to destroy things Um, And I think the big thing in a lot of shooters is you never get the sense of that being true. Everything's, you know, intentionally to make it more fun and to make it more kind of just breezy and, and, you know, maintain a momentum. Everything is is kind of weightless and airy. Um, And this game, I think, tries to find that middle ground where it's still, you know, it's not going to bog you down with all sorts of unnecessary details, but it does kind of want you to feel... You know, the the effects that these are weapons, they're not just nothings, they're physical objects that, I don't know. Are they're
0: external, they're external to your hand. Yeah, they exist yes. outside of you.
2: Yeah. yeah, and they're, you know, very dangerous even they can, when they're not... They can
1: be used against you as much as they can be used by you. Yeah, yes. exactly, right.
0: Which is what you get in that level where you're in the jet, because it, it's not something you climb in and like press a button and off you go. You know, you have to check the gears and check the instruments and stuff, you know, it feels like a tool. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not like an extension of your body. Uh, so I think that that is like a, a sort of very subtle implication of the of the the war is bad message. Is that you know guns are fucking scary. They make loud noises and they kill. And um, yeah, you, you, that's not as heavily as insinuated. Even in something again as, as uh, you know dramatic and bombastic as like that No Russian level in Modern Warfare Two, which is trying so hard. To to make you afraid you you don't feel it because they're just not treating the guns the same way as battlefield 3 does Um, Patrick I'm interested what you think about this
1: Um, I can definitely see where you're coming from and I don't disagree with you Um, I just have a really strong bias that's shaped just by the the overall story and how it's presented and I think that because of and this is unfair and I recognize that it's unfair but I think that because of that um, it's really hard for me to um, buy into the message that they're trying to sell because it's 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 still the same sort of it's painted by the same sort of stuff that we've been getting all these years that said that is not to say that there are not as we've talked about the capital M moments and they actually are very good. Not all of them are good, but the ones that are good are very good. Um, Mm. But I think you nailed it, Ed, when you said this game was designed by committee and you can tell because there are massive incongruities between the segments that we're talking about here and the ones that we aren't talking about because they were boring or bombastic or samey. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I I think that's true that for me this game a lot of what makes it exciting is that it's like you know a sand pit and there's some diamonds in it but you mm-hmm. know it's it's it still is kind of a sand pit there's just a lot to appreciate sort of with this, this era of uh, modern military shooters that you know you come back to this one and I'd kind of written it off before and find a lot more than I thought was there but like Patrick's mm-hmm. absolutely right it's you know it, you. if you want to appreciate these things they are you have to wade through some bullshit to get to them
0: so that level that culminates in your two friends being killed by the jet starts really well where you're on this kind of jeep ride and you're having a conversation one of your friends has just woken up from a dream and there's like this nice little bit of dialogue and then you dismount the jet uh, sorry the, the, the jeep and then you've got like 15 minutes of really kind of rote gun fighting uh, which I even have to play in the game you know several times Can't really distinguish much and then you get the jet bit Uh, there's a level in some guy's house where you can storm his his villa and at the beginning you kind of jump out of a plane and you get again you're in a car and you have to drive into the villa undercover and then you're locked in a garage and they know that you're uh, the enemy and they're like banging on the door and shouting trying to shoot through the door and it's really scary and then you've got like 20 minutes of pretty fucking rogue shooting and then the, the ending of Battlefield 3 is terrible. Oh uh, yeah. The last the last level on like the subway train in the sewers of New York and like this cu- the, the car chase actually quite like but the way it ends in like a fist fight with this Solomon guy who you know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, in, in Times time Square. In Times <laughs> yep. Square with just, people just literally looking on. <gasps> with people watching you. It's it's an awful ending. Like, I don't know where that came from. It's a dreadful dreadful ending. And so then it just
1: stops,
2: right? Yeah, and then it just it just. Stops. Oh wait, no! You get an epilogue, and it turns out that oh, yeah. Dima the uh, the Russian GRU agent didn't die in the nuke. He's been sitting in a cabin, waiting, yeah. writing. Oh, about... that's
1: right. And then he shoots himself, or it's alluded to that he. shoots Or
2: himself. he shot no. whoever was coming in. It's left up to he, you he, to decide. He is still alive because he appears in Battlefield Four. Ah, oh, uh, not that
0: I've I've not played the campaign of Battlefield Four. I've only read about it. I I have,
2: and I couldn't have told you that he was still alive in it. All I remember is that Omar from The Wire was in that, and that's
1: it. That's all I remember. And
0: the fourth one has got this really obnoxious thing where even in the campaign mode, when you shoot an enemy, it comes up, enemy killed, 100 points. Oh, no! (laughs) And and you can turn off every single HUD element in the entire game except (coughs) that one. You cannot disable that. That is the one thing in the entire options menu that you can't turn off. So I've I've never been able to finish the Battlefield 4 campaign because I find that so obnoxious.
2: Well I guess so when you look at what this game kind of represents, because this is no, this isn't the first Battlefield single player, is it?
1: 'Cause there uh, no there was Bad no, Company. There I mean, were tons before, like Bad Company and like that yeah, whole two, subseries. Did Yeah, there's two Bad Company games at least. Did like two
2: in nineteen forty two in those ones? I've only like kind of dipped into those. Did they have I, single I, player? I
0: I don't know. Bad Company was my first sort of introduction to the Battlefield series.
2: Okay. Well, I guess then this kind of represents the turning point of of what they ended up kind of going for. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if cuz it do, it doesn't mean a lot to me that I when we did fucking Hardline, I was still thinking, "Oh my god, this sound in this game is incredible." But yeah. to what end, you know?
1: Right, right. Uh,
2: and, and same with 4. I, I played 4 and I remember almost nothing at all about it. But again, saying the sound is incredible and but never feeling
1: like uh, the way that this game kind of leaves that impression on you. Mm-hmm. This is a, a weird point that isn't really connected to anything, but I had just thought of it talking about the older Battlefield games. I think it's interesting that Battlefield and also Call of Duty both began as games that are very clearly meant to kind of Im- impart this message of heroic, kind of nationalistic warfare. Like World War Two is every is very much like a a, a glorious event for for Westerners. Um, and then when you get to modern warfare and Battlefield Three, um, the tone takes a pretty drastic shift. So to the point where we're not at least overtly glorifying these actions anymore. And I think that's very interesting because. And then
2: doubles the, back from it. Well,
1: the games themselves haven't changed. You're doing essentially the same thing. It's just a different coat of paint. But the 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 context in which they're set, and I don't I don't know if the de- developers even realize this or not, um, the context is so drastically different. It's almost kind of comical.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that what's happened is I think that the, these games, Modern Warfare, absolutely glorify what you're doing. Uh, even though the the situation of you know wars in Iraq and Afghanistan over the last 15 years is so infinitely more uh, ambiguous than the situation of the Second World War, um, but I think that that's been the problem. I think the game makers have kind of given up reading books and given up doing research. And you know we talked about Generation Kill earlier on, and the blurb on the back of the book Generation Kill says something like, you know, uh, enemy unknown. Length of tour of duty, unknown, objective, unclear. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, basically epitomizes, I think, how a lot of people, even if they've watched a lot of news, understand the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I don't think a lot of people kind of really understood what the army was there to do, what it achieved, etc. Well, if you remember, Uh,
1: before we started recording, we were were talking about that, and between the three of us, we couldn't accurately pin down what was even happening, or if that war was still going uh on.
0: Completely, yeah, and I uh, you know, I like to think of myself as a very sort of intent news watcher uh but yeah it's it's very, very ambiguous, and that is not something that at least at the moment computes for modern and expensive computer games, you know, they don't like ambiguity, they want a sort of simplistic plot, so they can get on with what they think is their actual job, which is making shooting people you know enjoyable and doing escapism, so I think the modern warfare is you know just the worst premise for like a coherent a coherently written video game which is why that they've started that's why they've started to abandon it and now they're in the future or we're going back to World War 1 or we're doing a cop show you know in Miami because they've learned i think that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan just do not easily repackage. Yeah it does not games. does
1: not make for good television.
0: It it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. You can't do a simple story about
1: those wars because they are not simple.
2: Yeah but imagine you did a complicated story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> imagine. I actually wanted I wanted to ask that as sort of like a, a segue or an outro segment. Like what would a good or a passable or a tolerable or acceptable game about quote modern warfare what would that look like? Um, I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd be a shooter. I don't think it would either. Um, and I think no. I don't think we're it, married to I this paradigm be because the game is about war, and in war you shoot people. Therefore, the game is about shooting people. But yeah, yeah. yeah I I, no. I don't know. I think as a
2: shooter, uh, if you have to do it through the, you know, the shooter genre, I think you know, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare is maybe the best you're gonna get. Mm.
1: I I might mm-hmm. I might say that. I mean, Modern Warfare is a, is an exceptional shooter. Um, it's just an atrocious game. No, but I, I think I disagree with you on some of that. I think it's a complicated
2: game that does its best to... Oh my god, no, maybe I'm going to walk back from this before I've even <laughs> finished the sentence. I don't know, it's a game that I think has a bit more going on than than it seems like on its stupid fucking surface.
0: You're, you're talking about the first. You're talking about the first.
2: Modern yeah, warfare. this only applies to Modern Warfare One. No, I, I I agree
0: with you. I think there's a lot going on in Modern Warfare. The opening level is is the SAS shooting people who are asleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. think the, there's a, there's quite a thorough insinuation of there are no clean hands here, and that's something that's got lost in a lot of subsequent games about Modern Warfare. You know, I I, I I agree with you completely, Reed. I think that that's true. Um, and yeah, you might be onto something. That it's it's probably the best example of this that we've had. But yeah, certainly a, a, a more nuanced game about, you know, the, the, the recent Brushfire Wars wouldn't be a shooter, I don't think. It would, it would have to be something else. It would have to be an amalgamation of lots of different things.
1: Yeah, I just think it's so silly to have a game where your central message is, war is bad, and it, throughout the course of the game you kill hundreds of people, and are rewarded for doing so.
2: Well, that's the well, yeah. That's the sticking point, right, with any, with any war game. is
0: That spec ups the line. Right there. Well, yeah, that's it yeah,
2: and that's its whole thing. And how do you, how do you do that without doing kind of the yeah. smug thing of turning to the player
1: and saying, uh, "The question I pose to you is why do we need to kill hundreds of people?" Hmm? Well, hmm. I don't.
0: What I say, what I say is I don't think it's all or nothing. I think that uh, Battlefield Three, Kane and Lynch Two, you kill lots of people, but you still don't feel great about it without the game sort of deliberately saying. You're a bad person. (laughs) Shame on you. I think you can do this stuff just through production design. You can do it by the way the guns sound, by the way the enemies behave, by the way it looks. You can do it by the script. You can do it by the way that the the actors perform. You don't actually have to have this big fucking moral U-turn at the end. Well,
2: I guess, too, when you put it that way, um, I always kind of had a complicated feeling about the fact that I, I like war movies quite a bit. Um and I was always thought, like, maybe that's kind of fucked up, you know, that I will watch any war movie you put in front of me and give it a shot. Um, hmm. But you don't get a fuck-yeah sense all the time when you're watching Saving Private Ryan or something, right? It's, it's, it's about war, and it's often very exciting, but it's not, I think, meant to make you feel good.
1: You it's know, almost uh, kind of like an emotional rubbernecking, because you you see it, and you're just like, oh my god, that is so fucked up. Um, yeah, have yeah, it is, Have either of you ever listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast? No, you've told me I to before. Um, I mean yeah, to. so he, it's, it's a history podcast, um, and he does a lot of <laughs> military history stuff, um, and the reason why, he says, is because war brings out the most extreme aspects of the human experience that don't really exist anywhere else and while it it is unilaterally terrible it does provide a window into those elements of humanity that us normies would not otherwise have a chance to experience or interact with
2: Mm, I think that's absolutely true yeah that is very true and also you know the idea that These are people doing things that are directly influencing, you know, sort of the world on a a global scale. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Sorry.
0: That's the that's the fundamental thing that I think video games are missing is they're giving you a window or an ostensible window on warfare, but not really a window on the people or Mm -hmm. or the, the, the sort of emotions and experiences, the human experiences, the war brings to light it is you know, these are games about war but not about soldiers you know they're about battles but not people right um you know the games are even called like modern warfare battlefield they're not called something that you know pertains to they are the people actually involved
1: they all have ambiguous obscured like non-people on the cover like there's yes
0: yeah it's, it's it's something that video games do across the board video games are always about things rather than individuals you know it's a game about technology, it's a game about conspiracy it's a game about surveillance, it's a game about depression, it's a game about blah blah blah, blah. they're never about a person with like a name and a background mm-hmm. um, they're very, they're very depersonalising they're very of the computer you know? <laughs> um, and I think that that is where you know, war games fall short what, this idea that a war game should always switch perspectives I don't buy anymore you know, I want to play a war game where I'm the same person all the way through and I'm just, I'm just playing as this person, you know, gradually being fucking torn. Yeah, l-
1: well, they do that in Spec Ops, actually. Um, that's one they thing that, that it do, does do.
0: They do that really well in Spec Ops. You know, he, he physically and sort of vocally. T- I love in Spec Ops when at the start of the game he's saying, you know, uh, fire on that target. And then at the end of the game he's saying, fucking kill them because he's like lost it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think that that's what war games are missing. Basically, it's just fucking human characters who do human things.
2: Yeah, and you know, thinking more about it, it's what I've always said is I think if you're going to be doing a game, and uh, we should get on this on another episode at some point, but uh, if if you're going to do a game about killing, um, it seems like a good idea to either take it quite seriously or to not take it seriously whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I think those are the only ways to kind of be responsible, is to really consider the kind of human element of I mean, I'd like more humanity in even the stupidest games because um, I don't think there's a lot of good characters in games um, But you know, Except Mario, Mario's a pretty he, pretty dope character Yeah, when he when he went through his drinking phase I was
1: <laughs>
2: I'm so glad he pulled out of it um, I was really rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? I can't remember.
1: Good characters.
2: Yeah, they're I like them. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, I mean it's just like I don't know. I will watch Rambo three, and I'm like that's hilarious because it's so just fucking stupid, you know. Um, but I think it knows it's stupid. But on the other hand, I I think you kind of want that where it's not engaging your brain. It's not asking you to think of this whole thing is the real world is is um, indicative of how you should feel about things or you know, actually take things seriously
0: for me Battlefield 3 is more out of the ring than in the ring, I can just about sort of file it under don't take this too seriously despite it's various pretenses here and there I can just about pass it off as a very sort of really well written, well in places well written and well performed War blockbuster, but it it does stray into listen to us, and that's when it's at its weakest when it's kind of in neither of these compartments, I guess.
1: And that's the issue the main issue I have with it, or at least what the main issue I have with it boils down to is I don't even think it can make up its mind.
2: No, it can't. No, that's yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's why at the beginning I said I'm not. I'm I'm a f- couple notches over into favorable, but I, I wouldn't rave about this game to people.
0: Well, one of the things you definitely can't say about the, especially the latter modern warfare games is that they don't know what they are. You know. Right. They, they they can they categorically do. Um particularly Black Ops three, which I think is a wonderful game. Um because it is so coherent and well, actually it's a very incoherent game, but deliberately so. Um It's
2: reflective in a yeah. way that not Many of those games are
0: exactly, and it, it it is very 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 true to itself, and so is Modern Warfare three and Modern Warfare two and uh, the original Modern Warfare. Um, yeah, so so Black Ops, uh, excuse me, Battlefield three is <laughs> dear. Uh, Battlefield three, I think, is yeah, is caught on the fence sometimes, which is what makes it a sort of uh, ambiguous proposal.
2: Yeah, but I, I think it's you know if you if you're listening to this and you kind of just ignored it. I think it's it's worth looking at if you're interested in kind of the uh modern Middle Eastern set shooter, you know, mm. of of kind of this cultural period of time when everyone was kind of rushing into this space. I think this game has more
1: I think you mean rushing into the space. Nice. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They always have to they always have to The t- Russians are always there. So they always have to
2: temper their you know, borderline racism with, you know, well these guys are white and you can shoot them too. It's okay.
0: Well, if that's what games wanna do, then Soviet.
2: <laughs> Fuck off.
1: Fuck you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, that
1: was that was glorious. You uh, should be proud of you. that. Yeah, you should have
2: that one. That was a that was a good one. High five. I was gonna say that was a bear of a joke, but I didn't know if that would play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I think it's time to drop the Iron Curtain on this episode. That's right. Nice.
0: Yeah. 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 I think it's time to Russia pun.
2: (laughs) All right. Quit stalling and shut this episode down.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I take it you'll be pewting this one on the website. (laughs) That Um... one, like,
2: that one kind of worked. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'll allow it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh,. So yeah, I I think Battlefield Three. I think if you've got any interest in in the the war shooter, and I think that you I think everyone ought to have because it's it is a, a fascinating cultural grotesque. Uh, Battlefield Three is something that you definitely ought to play. I mean, it's not it's not very long. It's it's a very simple game. It's it's uh, an interesting piece of uh,
1: work. It is very interesting. Yeah. I will say that about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's simple. It's straightforward. It's it's like watching a yeah it's like watching an action movie.
0: Mm.
2: We didn't get into the puzzles, but you know none of them <laughs> are all that difficult. You know you twist the blocks around, you put the mirrors at the right angles. It's fine.
1: Yeah, right, yeah We didn't we that, didn't get how about that level in hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they and they made it a match three of all things.
2: That yeah, was <laughs> really unexpected. Three AKs dropping down slowly, and <laughs> when you line them up, they blow up in this little, you know, graphic of a grenade.
0: Oh yeah, I love the cyber demon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I think that uh, I think we've unpacked that one pretty thoroughly. Um, so, what games have we got in mind for the f- future for upcoming episodes? I I don't know. I think well, we've, we're still compiling a list,
2: checking it twice. Yeah. Well, we're we've heading gone, into yeah. we're heading into sequel country, right? So we are, yeah. So I think we'll play some. we were talking about playing some stuff that'll be, you know, if you have, so and so three, so and so four coming out in the fall, then we'll try to play, yeah, the ones before.
0: Yeah, uh so I imagine we'll be doing some Call of Duty pretty soon. Does Assassin's Creed qualify as a shooter? I suppose
1: it doesn't it's, really. The Assassin's Creed barely qualifies as a game. I, don't <laughs> okay. I have uh, strong opinions about the Assassin's Creed series and they are not positive.
0: I'll tell you what we I'll tell you what is on the docket it
2: is Duke Nukem Forever. Sure is. Oh you said it, so now we have to.
0: We do He locked us in. Wolfenstein the New Order is a game that we're threatening to do for quite a while. We like, still have Far Cry Two. Oh yeah. We still have the, we still have the the behemoth Far Cry Two. Yeah. That's right. And we've got Spec Ops: The Line as well. I think is one that we will probably come to quite well, soon. Well, yeah.
2: These are all these are all, these are all inevitable. Yeah. You know, in the immediate future. I, I don't know. Who knows?
0: Maybe we should do because they're doing the Bioshock remastered pack. We should do Bioshock Infinite
2: uh are you ready for that though i i
0: was thinking the other day about having to replay it (laughs) yeah i don't want to but it's my it's my job
2: your solemn sworn duty as a critic that's right we're gonna we're gonna cut your benefits from the bullet points medical plan if you don't
0: exactly yeah so yeah we'll probably come to that as well but yeah we'll uh We'll keep you up to date with all the games that we're going to do via the Twitter, which is at Bullet Points Pod. You can follow it now. Segways. Uh, Reed, where can we find you on the internet? You
2: can find me on the internet at Reed McCarter.
0: And Patrick, where can we, where can we find you on the internet?
1: I'm on the internet on Twitter at Han Freakin' Solo.
0: Wow, well, I'm, I'm nearby because I'm also on the internet on Twitter <laughs> at Most Sincerely Ed. And if you've enjoyed listening to this show, uh, as I'm sure you have, then you can donate uh, to keep us up and running via our website. There is a PayPal donation button beneath every episode page. Look, uh, we need the money. This coke isn't gonna buy itself. The coke is not gonna buy itself. The mansion uh, in which we record <laughs> all these
2: episodes, the the property taxes <laughs> to the roof. <laughs> we we didn't uh, think about that. You know, we had the down payment. We didn't think about the property tax.
0: They, the, the, the prize winning the stallion which reed rides from his shack in the garden to the main building every day that needs feeding yeah. so yeah 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 we've got overheads guys
2: please help yeah. us the um, semen the yeah. semen from that stallion you know he can only put out so much that we can sell so He's he's getting tired.
1: I'm <laughs> horrified right now. He's lost he's lost a lot of weight. He's just going oh like, Ooh, no. Ooh. You know, we have
2: to readjust the oats to semen output to uh, try to balance the budget properly.
1: I quit. That, that poor horse. That poor horse. <laughs>
2: yeah. Alright. Uh, anyway, on that note. <laughs>
0: We will leave this episode here. Uh, I've been Ed Smith. You've been Reed.
1: Reed. And Patrick. I've also been Reed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we will see you next time on another episode of Bullet Points
1: Horse Seaman.